Hey gang, welcome to episode 66 of the No Persinium podcast, your guide to immersive entertainment, brought to you by our friends at Drafty. Oh yeah, you heard that right. I'm your host, Noah Nelson. Um, hey, uh, today on the show, uh, this one, this one's the After Dark episode. So if you're listening to this and the sun is still up in the sky, I need you to pause. I need you to, to, to listen to this a little bit later. You, you have my permission to listen to the news and notes before you get into the main bit, but here's the thing. The After Dark, for those of you who uh, haven't been with the show that long, and I know there's, there's several of you, a lot of you, all of you, I don't know. Um, anyway, it's, uh, it's when Zay Amsbury, who is our man in New York City, and I, we, uh, we plug these uh, microphones of ours into our computers and we have a little chat with each other. So it is it's a little looser. Uh, we get some cocktails going on, uh, and we just, we just let loose. So we're going to cover a lot of ground today, but first, before we do any of that, you did hear correctly. We've got our sponsor back, uh, right there at the top of the show. They're back. It's drafty. Our friends, they're coming on board the whole month of October and, and beyond for a while. Uh, that is our, our literal actual lifelong friends at drafty. Hey Lucas, what is drafty? Well, and, and why is it a sponsor of our program? Well, I'm not going to do a long version, but um, we, we don't just take anything as a sponsor. Uh, that's number one. We want it to be relevant to the audience, and Drafty is relevant to the audience because Drafty is a computer-aided design app built from the ground up for the unique needs of theatrical designers, assistants, and technicians by an actual theatrical designer. Designer? designer lighting sound and projection design are all supported at prices that strike fear into the hearts of the big cad programs find out if drafty can help you work your magic at drafty-app.com if i sound a little rusty doing that i will i wrote that copy myself as we all know well some of you know um drafty is back on board they're helping us out helping us clear some of those obstacles giving us a nice solid foundation right alongside our patreon backers more on the patreon after the show i'm not going to hit you up for that right now but it is still very important you want some news and notes i want to give you some news and notes the big there's two pieces of big news in my mind one of which i've shared before but i need to share again but in my mind one of the big news pieces is that we've done a lot of reviews (laughs) In the past week, like we've done more on the medium collection than we've done in quite some time. We've got a few more things in the queue. So we released a review of the tension experience this week. My review, it's like almost a 2000 words. So it is, it is a mighty one. Um, Released a review there. I'm sure we're going to be talking more about tension in the future. I got some ideas about that. I think it's definitely worth having some conversations about the, the whole shebang. Um, we talked a little bit about that on this week's Story Forward podcast, in case you uh, aren't a fan of that show. Uh, if you're not listening there, you might not have found it. Um, go check it out. Steve Peters and Story Forward. Uh, lots of stuff about you know ARGs. It was a discussion about ethics in immersive entertainment. <clears throat> it was a pretty good discussion. Uh, lots of smart people on that show. Came up with some some fun scenarios as well. I'm just thinking about it right now. Uh, we've got reviews of uh, Devoted uh, is on the site. Uh, I'm going to be bringing my review of a Wii Player's Romeo and Juliet to the fore very, very soon. Uh, just got a few more tweaks to make on it before I release that on an unsuspecting public. Um, there's more stuff happening because we're, we're going to see things, and so you probably want to know what, what we're out and about and checking out. 
Uh, Zay's going to talk about some of the stuff he's already seen in New York in this episode, so I'll save that. But the Future of Storytelling Festival is uh, about to crack wide there in New York City, so you want to keep an eye out for that. Um, Delusion has its press preview this weekend. Uh, This is going out on September 30th, International Podcast Day. Hey, everybody. Um, We'll have a podcast today. I'll tell you how you can do that in a minute. Um, Delusion, going to be checking that out. Super excited to see that. Uh, Wicked Lit is up also this weekend, so there'll be reviews there. I'm just buried in reviews, basically. Uh, So plenty of stuff there. And then on October 15th, and I did this at the end of last episode, but I really need to hit this. On October 15th, Andy Cade Night Games is coming and uh, I highly encourage you, if you're interested in games, if you're interested in interactive entertainment and to see where some of the, the, the wild experiments are happening, Indicate as a whole experience is totally worth it. It's at the USC campus this year, uh, 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th is when it's going on. Uh, you can get passes for the whole festival. You can get day passes to individual days. Uh, you can also get a ticket straight up to night games. Why you might want to get, I would say, get a, a Saturday day pass. Uh, is is your best value if you want to just go one day because you also get access to night games that night and night games is going to include several of LA's best immersive designers showing off for you so we've got the speakeasy society we've got screenshot productions we've got Annie Lesser we've got our friend Diana Wyan we've got the guys from 2-Bit Circus are doing some VR stuff we've got the people from Visionary doing VR stuff we've got the wise guys with a game we've got uh, a magic dance mirror thing. We've got like a spaceship game going on. We've got this thing called Kismet, which has got a VR thing with some like fortune telling aspects to it. We've got a cinematic experience. It's going to be pretty cool. And the tickets for that are just 15 bucks. And I don't know how big the pool of tickets for it are because we've also got like the festival passes and then the day passes, but indicates a great event. I recommend you go and grab that day pass for that Saturday. Come on down check it out um you know we're we're going to put as many people through this stuff as we can uh it's going to be a little taste of what an immersive theater festival in la uh could could offer on on, in in like a little little boutique format and we're just going to keep on blowing it out so if you're within the range of my voice and if you're in los angeles uh not not a bad night october 15th on the usc campus and you wonder like why is he so excited about because I'm the one, I picked everything, this is this is all my fault, right? So if you ever wanted to know what kind of trouble I was going to try and get us all into, this is the thing. This is the trouble I'm trying to get us all into. So I'll be there. One place you can stalk me, complain. You you guys do run into me at the shows, which is wonderful. Makes the tagline all all, all the more realistic. Now if you can't be in in LA, and maybe you're going to be in San Francisco. October 14th, 15th, and 16th, Epic Immersive's Matthew Breyer and the Age of Resurrection is being resurrected for the weekend. Uh, That's Stephen Boyle's uh, work. Uh, San Jose's History Park becomes the world of Matthew Breyer and the Age of Resurrection, an immersive fable for the digital age. I'm jealous. Um, If I wasn't running an event, I would run up to San Francisco and check it out. One of these times, Stephen, you got to run it when I can make it. (laughs) Like, really, we got to coordinate this here. I mean, we've been able to hang out in coffee shops, and yet I haven't seen your work. That's just silly. You know what's so silly? 
What else is silly is uh, that this isn't my full-time job. No, I'm not going to complain about that. But I am going to beg you to uh, check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash nopersinium. Uh, that's a way you can support this podcast on today, International Podcast Day, and the newsletter. Uh, you know, a dollar a month is all I'm really asking from everybody who consumes this on a regular basis because that's really going to supercharge what we do. But you know what also helps? is I know, I keep meeting you guys out there. I know how many people are listening. I check the downloads. And a thing that I never do, thing that I never do is I don't ask everybody to go onto iTunes and drop a review of the show. It helps people find the show. Now, I don't want you to do this for my ego because my ego needs absolutely no help from anybody. Probably not true, but it needs absolutely no help from anybody. What, what we need is we need more people to discover this amazing world of immersive entertainment. I know you're into it because you're listening to the show it's super nerdy on one level, but we also know it's the most amazing thing going on in the entire bloody universe. And going into iTunes and dropping a review and putting five stars on it, because of course everything is either the best ever or totally horrible on the internet. There's no in between. Um, that will help other people discover the show. And by discovering this show, we'll discover the shows we talk about. Building the audience, making for better productions. That's the whole scam here, guys. We're doing this to make better work across the board. Now, with all that in mind, everything I've just said, this episode, we are going to curse because it's after dark and we're drinking. I recommend you drink. So please do not drive while listening to this episode because maybe you'll get a contact buzz. And there's, there's nothing in this episode that we do not stand behind 100%. And, uh, you know... Zay and I, we're like two halves of the same coin, and there's some truth serum going on here. So brace yourselves. It's No Persinium After Dark, part two. Yeah. I don't know if we're doing this yet, but then again, we never, we never do. <laughs> I like that we can hear the clinking of glass. Oh yeah, that's because I'm continuously stirring this this rather uh, milky-looking pseudo penicillin. I guess I should call it an amoxicillin or something like that <laughs> that I've uh, that I've made for myself tonight. Uh, what are you drinking? Uh, vodka over ice. <laughs> that's way simpler. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's laziness. We haven't we haven't like re. Um, we haven't repopulated our liquor cabinet in quite some time. I, I have a funny story about liquor cabinets and immersive theater, actually. Well, this is the after dark, so just go for it. So last night I saw the no, no, uh, the night before last, I saw the new piece from Andrew Hoffner of Houseworld. And I was incredibly exhausted because I had had a wedding on Saturday and a whole bunch of deadlines. And then on Sunday, um, I had appointments all day and writing all day. And then things started at nine and then we had the interview at 10. And then it was a very long um, weekend. And uh, this piece is called Whisper Lodge. And it is billed as as a uh, an ASMR immersive experience. And I don't know if you know about ASMR. 
I, I do I do know about it like mostly because uh, Juliet Bennett Riley of Elias is very much an ASMR person, and and she's sort of uh, we're we're travel buddies out here to the different shows. So. I see. But if, but you should describe ASMR because you just underwent an ASMR experience. So. I have to say, I, I made the conscious choice to not do a lot of research on it before I went to see the thing, because I like to see things as raw as possible. I'm not sure if that was the best idea, um, but uh, uh, Andrew, Hoff, Andrew worked with a woman named uh, Melinda, who is a, um, uh, a, a fine arts person. Um, and very much an ASMR person, and she described it to me. I We recorded an interview. It'll come out in, I guess, next week or a couple weeks from now. Um, next week and, is a good bet. Yeah. <laughs> and ASMR stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Mm. Um, and it is, um, as she described it, a pseudoscientific term um, that refers to an experience of... Um, uh, intense subjective pleasure at hearing certain sounds, um, and also not just sounds, but also various um, sensory experiences that give you this sort of pleasure tingle. And um, the community, the ASMR community, um, uh, uh, talks about how some people have this response very, very intensely, and some have it less intensely. And there are these. <laughs> videos online that people put together of folks whispering, of crinkling paper, um, and it's been around for quite some time, so there are all of these subgenres. And when I got back, I, yeah, so it's like, um, this is uh, an ASMR. So if we did the... Right. If we did the entire episode just like this, and if we, we did it, I think my voice is a little too. I think I think I get black when I, when I whisper. I get my black side comes out and a little bass comes in. Um, but, but I, I, I some people that's really good. Say. I, I, I found a, <laughs> uh, I found some some ASMR cosplay. So there's like a, a, a what? There's there's a Ginny Weasley at whispering at Hogwarts ASMR video. <laughs> Now here's the thing: if it was <laughs> if it was Luna Lovegood, I'd be I'd be down. Oh, right? you also have the Luna Lovegood crush. I have the Luna Lovegood crush. Um, can we just? I mean, Zay, we've known for years, or oh, basically two, 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 one brain and two bodies, my or something goodness. like that. Like, but no, but think about it. Like, we're acculturated. Like, it makes total sense if we're Grant Morrison fans. Of course, we're going right. to have the Luna Lovegood. I mean, that just right. that just goes hand in hand. Absolutely. You know, Luna Lovegood is there for all the the the. I was about to say real nerds, so a lot of Harry Potter fans. But let's say let's admit it. Luna Lovegood is there for all the real nerds to crush on. The way that like you know you know Tonks and and Remus are there also for the real nerds, right? I mean right. Harry's a that's jock. Right. Harry's a jock. That's right. Right. Like that's, you can that's never forget that. It's a crossover. It's a crossover. Um, so in Whisper Lodge, um, and uh, and this is a workshop, so I can I can talk about everything Andrew told me. Um, but there are basically stations that you go through. Um, there are only eleven people who see the show. Stations uh, of the Whispering. No, Queens. not eleven. Um, <laughs> my brain is going. There are six people who see the show, or at least the evening I saw it. And there are four stations, so you only see four of the stations. And each one is sort of a different theme and a different come from, and is sort of curated by. A different person, and one of them was um, they were searching for a word. I think I think the the name for it that Melinda and Andrew ended up using was uh, playpen, where you play with stuff. Um, 
And I don't know if you've seen this stuff, but there's this uh, magnetic sand that's uh, sort of, uh, it's like it's like a cross between Play-Doh and sea. It's a crazy substance that apparently kids, yeah. little kids just have in like preschool and I think, whatnot. I think... I think I've seen it at like one of those Brookstone stores or yeah. whatnot. Like it's glorious. Yeah. And so you're playing with this and you're sort of feeling like a little kid. The venue that Andrew used for the workshop um, is um, it's called, Oh man, my brain is gone. I'm off to put it in the notes, but it's, um, it's the, uh, um, it's the venue that's owned by the go game people. Right. Yeah. Who we're going to be talking to at the end of the month, and uh, and it, and it's a house. You know, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautifully renovated uh, uh, brownstone, and the place where the playpen was was at a bar. So you're talking to this 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 lovely young woman, and you're playing with this magnetic stuff, and you're pouring um, lemon juice on baking soda, and listening to the sound, and like. Um, coloring dye and all this really playful, fun, kid-like stuff. And behind her is just a wall of liquor. <laughs> uh, incongruous, but funny. Yeah. It's like this balance between like childlike pleasure and, and the adult vices. Exactly. Hand in hand, side by side. Oh man. Exactly. That sounds, it sounds interesting though. Like I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's a workshop. I remember. Yeah. Seeing when Whisper Lodge was coming, it was just 42 tickets or whatever it was. And I was like, dude, but if it's just a workshop, then. Yeah. Yeah. And he did this, he did this interesting thing where at the end, um, when it was all over, all the participants and all of the, um, uh, all of the performers sat together on the roof. We all were wearing these white fluffy robes and we had tea and cookies and talked about the experience. It was. Uh, that sounds like something that would be good in of itself. Yeah, I know. It was fluffy. Very, it was really great. Fluffy white robes and tea and cookies. There's something about sitting on a roof at a show. Yeah. Uh, talking with people, right? I mean, that's that. That's one of the primal teen experiences. Is you're up on the roof and you're having a you're having a very a very important conversation with someone. Substances may or may not be involved. Um, that's just so essential. You know, well, and well, like the, the thing that not having any real frame of reference for ASMR, the thing that really struck me was how it shifted your focus to details, to different details that you wouldn't or that I don't normally focus on. And it changed mm. the world. I mean, it was definitely a psychedelic experience and it was a two hour long thing, but time dilation was fully in effect. Um, and by the end, um, I think we were all in at least a slightly altered state. How, how hard would it be for raw speculation here? And because this is the after dark mm -hmm. and yeah, I'm back in the mode where I'm going to keep on talking about which episode it is. Just to remind everybody. Uh, and I hope they've got their cocktails. Um, uh, since we're drinking, um, how hard would it be, do you think, for Andrew to, you know, fly out for a weekend to, I don't know, Los Angeles, mm -hmm. uh, teach a few people the bones of the show and, uh, and then let there be instances in, in more than one city? Like, cause it's not like, it's not exactly as elaborate as Houseworld in mm -hmm. terms of the staging. Mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine it would be very difficult 
at all. I mean, it sounds like they're they're in the very early stages, and Andrew and Melinda clearly have co-ownership over this. Um, and I think they're still exploring, and I think they're they're they have not reached the final form at all yet. Right. Um, but I think it would be fairly easy, and I, I also think that um, um, I mean, part of their vision seems to be bringing this ASMR experience uh, offline to have the the ASMR IRL experience out in the world. And there's such a large community, uh, there's such a large ASMR community, I think that that certainly is something that Melinda is looking to reach out to. Yeah. Um, and I imagine if they structure this well, there's there's got to be a lot of people who would be very interested in having the experience. Oh, God, yeah. No, I think, I mean, what, you know, there's there's moments in some of the work out here that I would liken to ASMR experiences and a lot of that's some of the most meditative stuff Mm -hmm. and I mean there's a way in which this like drops into the realm of consciousness hacking Mm -hmm. and 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 there's I mean it's it's part and parcel with this whole immersive thing is that we're you know people learning how to communicate in ways that um, are on one level very natural, but on another level are very much not codified. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like I was thinking about, you know, Snapchat of all things today because they, they made their new, they've got their new glasses, their, their spectacles, which is just like a video recording, you know, thing mm-hmm. that they're, they're going to be marketing as a toy to, to people. And the, the head over there, he's like, you know, people don't understand why their daughters are like taking 10,000 pictures a day. And he's like, they're not archiving. They're not, they're not archiving their experience. They're talking Mm -hmm. and it's the image as communication. Well, that's one, just one Avenue that's been really opened up, uh, right now. And, and, you know, we, we often get a little grandiose in terms of thinking about, Ooh, this is new and novel. I mean, so much of this stuff has been going on in strange little corners, you know, forever. But that's the that's the thing about the internet now. Every strange corner has been dragged onto Main Street, and is now the the talk of the town. Um, and ASMR is is one of those things, and th- this immersive way of staging productions and of communicating is another one of those things, which are clearly very related because the innovators are interested in them both. Yeah. And I mean, and with Whisper Lodge specifically, it, it felt like, I mean, if, if Houseworld was a man, I don't know, like a quasi crossover indie hit, like, uh, then Whisper Lodge was like this quiet little self-produced album, at least at this point. Um, and Andrew, I know is very, very, into one-on-ones and Whisper Lodge is a, is all one-on-ones. It's a complete one-on-one experience. And um, it, I mean, talk about things that feel old. It felt very ritualistic. It was very ritualized, you know, the way it began, the way it ended, the way it transported you into a liminal space. I mean, the way it, the way it starts, you, the way it starts, you are sent to a cor- a street corner in Bedsty. And Bedsty is not 
Williamsburg. Bed-Stuy <laughs> is not Park Slope. Bed-Stuy is, um, I mean, it's I, older New York. It's, it's an older, it's from a, from a time previous. I mean, it, walking around Bed-Stuy, some parts of Bed-Stuy at night, you need to maintain awareness of where you are and what you're doing, you know? Yeah. Um, I live in Crown Heights and it's, it's very similar, but it's also very, very similar to where I grew up. So it's not like weird and alien to me, but you need right. to maintain awareness. And what you do, what they ask you to do is stand on the corner at 9.30 p.m. and light a candle. Oh, boy. And wait. I got to – and now, because you mentioned that it's like where, where you grew up, I'm instantly thinking like, okay, so you're going to ask me to be at like McDonald and maybe not San Pablo, but maybe like, no, you know, uh, right up the – that's nicer? Or are we talking mm, more like uh, – No, I'd say more like McDonald and 23rd Street, like between, between where you're talking about and Point Richmond. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Funkadelic, yeah, like circa, about. like when we were teenagers, yes. like McDonald. And, well, what That's am I right. saying? It's it probably hasn't changed. Yeah, it, it, I last oh. month drove through there. My aunt lives out there. Like it, it, yeah. it has not changed that much. Now you yeah. know. I mean, it's that was, it's, first, that was one of the first places I lived when uh, when I lived in the Bay Area. We were like yeah. by the Bart State, by Richmond Bart. So, but it doesn't stop there because then someone walks up to you, dressed all in white, um, introduces themselves. You sign a release, <laughs> and then they blindfold you. Yep. And then you walk for uh, what actually didn't seem that long with the blindfold on, but walking back along that same path with the blind after the whole experience was over, it was actually pretty far. Um, and I, I was never worried, you know. I was never um, frightened, but at the same time. I was very aware that I was giving myself to somebody, you know, and I mean, I trust Andrew implicitly and, um, and there was never a question of whether or not I was going to do it, but I was just aware that there was, of, of what was being asked of the audience, of what was being asked of us. Um, and we were totally taken care of. It was all good. Um, and I loved it. Um, and it was kind of audacious in its own quiet little way, you know? Yeah. No, uh, audacity is good. Audacity is definitely a theme right now. Well, I just said audacity is good and I'm instantly thinking of something. Uh, I thought, well, first I thought of a show I saw that's definitely audacious that I put in the good column. Um, although, uh, no, it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't a home run for me, but it was, it was, uh, you know, I'll give it a, I'll give it a in the park triple, you know, like without, without a doubt, um, uh, just to throw a, a baseball metaphor here because we're, we're big sports guys here on no presidium. Uh, but, um, there, there was another thing that was audacious that we're about to publish, um, from our friend Cindy, who's down in Florida. Um, and that was, that was a marketing tactic that a haunted house down there used uh -huh. uh, these these were the pe these were the people who put on the republic which was an immersive show last year and like came back for a while and now they've got a haunted house for for the season oh man i have to do the scary the spooky stuff for new york yeah, you do yeah do you that. do we're very advanced on that out here but anyway so here's here's here i would i would almost say i feel i feel bad for these guys for what happened next um is because they uh 
they, they picked the wrong person to try this marketing tactic with. And by wrong person, I mean that Cindy had like just given birth, like <laughs> maybe a week before if that, and what they did is like at one o'clock in the morning, they texted like a, a vaguely creepy, somewhat stalkerish text to her phone, not an email, but a text to her phone that was basically like, you know, you know, we're watching kind of, it was very poetic, but it was kind of like, we're watching you, blah, 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 blah. And it freaked her right the fuck out. And she showed me the text and I was like, yeah, that would creep me out too. If like this came from, cause it was coming from a number like within five miles of her house. The thing is like, she's got an LA number and it was coming from an Orlando number. Oh my goodness. And you know, it's, it, if you're a journalist, you're kind of used to on a certain level getting weird things from companies, you know, like strange packages arrive. And so long as it's not just like a bag of white powder, <laughs> like usually, and usually there's something to identify it, right? Like, I mean, if it's a straight up ARG, you might not get an identifying thing, but you'll, you know, at NPR offices, for instance, we get like all kinds of weird swag. So it's yeah. definitely in that like, you know, outside the box marketing tactic. But the thing is, is that when we get that stuff professionally, we're usually getting that stuff at the office or if our home is our office, mm -hmm. we're getting it, you know, in the mail or it's coming in through an email. It's not a text at one in the morning, uh, with, that doesn't then like instantly follow up or isn't even prefaced or isn't even like an option to like opt in in the first place. And so yeah. Cindy, Cindy's was, and her husband were rightfully pretty pissed. And she goes on at length in it about it and this piece we're going to do. And, and I'm upset by it because I've asked Cindy to like, please be my eyes and ears. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not the cost of doing business as a reporter in this space. It is not, you know, if you opt in for something uh, if you opt in for one show and marketing messages from one show, that does not instantly mean that folks have a right to then use their list to, you know, try and bring you into an ARG in another show. Mm -hmm. You know, the the idea of, you know, pushing things on people versus inviting them to do something, mm -hmm. I think is very much alive again in the space. There's always this temptation to force people and to sort of shock them into a point of view. Mm -hmm. And I'll just say categorically that that is a less effective tactic, to put it mildly, than inviting someone to come along. Mm -hmm. It's the difference between like someone standing on stage and screaming a monologue and insisting that you feel something for them mm -hmm. and someone weaving a trap of a story yeah. and making you fall hard for them before they spring it on you. Yeah. The, I'm uh, on Thursday. I'm going to go, I'll, I'm going to be seeing Paradiso on Thursday and Paradiso mm. is a theatrical escape room experience. So it's an escape room that has uh, reportedly uh, narrative and story aspects. And I think multiple rooms, you move through a space. Um, it's gotten very mixed reviews. Um, I know people who are escape room people, people who are escape room aficionados, um, who had, 
who've had very very mixed feelings about it. And apparently they've they it's been revised twice since my escape room friends um, have seen it. Um, and uh, they 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 delayed they wanted to wait for me to see it until after the most recent revisions came in. Mm. Um, so after I see it, I'm gonna have a podcast with my escape room friends. We're gonna sort of compare and contrast everything. Um, but it's it the people who are involved in it are mainly immersive theater people. They're people who sprang out of um, out of uh, there's some sleep no more people involved. Um, and I, two days ago, got a text from them, um, after I got an email, um, and the text, I, I don't know, I, th- there was no, there was no time to opt in. I was just, I got a text and I was told through the text that the texts are part of the experience, um, mm. with no clear way to opt in or opt out with no choice being made on my part. And like, I mean, I'm cool with it give me like I know who you are I know what's going on I signed up for it la 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 um but that moment of choice is so important yeah no I think I think it's super important and you know here here in LA you know and I just went and saw it over the uh, on Friday you know we had the tension experience and the first oh, yeah the first chapter of tension was an ARG uh-huh. and and I just, I completely opted out. I was like, you know, I, I know, I know exactly how involved an ARG can get. Mm-hmm. And given, given how much no proscenium time, like I would need, if no proscenium was my full-time job, yeah, then the ARG was a possibility. But it, no proscenium is not my full-time job. Yeah. I have a totally different full-time salary job. So the ARG was not a possibility yeah. because... I'm running around to seeing so many other shows and working the full-time job. Uh, it's just, it's just not, wasn't going to happen. Oh yeah. So, um, but what was interesting there, you know, related to this is that one, they were very good at letting you opt in or opt out. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there was a very clear way to opt out of their ARG. They they have so much experience and, and so much of, of what they want to do, I mean, they. <laughs> I mean, I imagine they have like release forms, and they want to get consideration because they want to really, really. Well, get you when in you fucked up state. Well, when you can when I you find swear, I just swore. Oh yeah, we can we we can fucking swear after dark. Sweet. Um, fucking sweet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now every other word's gonna be a bomb. But yeah, no, the actual experience. Of course, there's like the all of that stuff. But but the there's there's a level at which. You know, they, I mean, look, Darren Lynn Bowsman, the director was on and like, you know, he was surprised mm-hmm. at, the, at the level to which people really engaged with the, the ARG, you know, he wasn't expecting that and it became kind of all consuming and that's what those do. And that's why I didn't, you know, involve myself. I know they can become all consuming right. and, and I, I worry for the form. I've always worried for the ARG form that like, it only works if you're all in, right? It only works if you're all in. And there's a certain level at which. I think that it is. Had he had no previous experience with ARGs or done what? Because it, like, it seems like he, he had had he had done 
God, I'm, I mean, now I'm trying to remember an interview I had like a month ago, yeah. which some people I think may have listened to more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're one of those people who's listened to it more than once, kudos to you. That's not a slam. That's that's me saying you'll know it better than I do because I, I live these things and then I then I keep walking on. But but th- that's the thing. That's a beautiful thing of what Tension's done with its fan base is that it is it's got some people who have, look. It has people as into it as I'm into understanding the way the DC universe multiverse works, right? Or the way the current version of star Wars works or the pre 1995 version of star Wars. Can we at some point have like an after, after dark where you and I talk about that? Well, yeah, we could do that tonight if you want. That'd be awesome. I don't know if I'd live through it tonight. Okay. We'll, we'll do, we'll do, we'll we'll see, we'll see, we'll see where we're at. Yeah. We, cause we can. We'll even, we'll post, and you know what? We'll post that up only for the Patreon backers. There you go. There you that's go. A, I don't know. I don't know if that's a threat or an incentive, but, <laughs> but, but they did, well, they did a masterful thing in, in the ARG in that they not only, you know, they, they endowed people with roles and you yeah. can see those people. If you go to the website, that's, you can well, that's, see that's that they the have Michael been Garver pulled into the narrative. It's like, if you yeah. put people in a space, you have to give them a role. Yeah. And so the ARG was very, 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 uh, you know, straight up about that. Um, and you can see the results of it on their website. Like there, there are real people who took on roles in that game and they are reflected in the website of the backstory. Um, but the thing is, is like, you know, to, to reckon with that, um, you know, they, 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 the audience demanded more and so they kept on pushing and giving them more mm-hmm. uh, and sort of sort of in this sort of invasive way but in a way that all those folks were really really into mm-hmm. and I think that there's there's my businessman mind there's a large market of people who want to have the moment mm-hmm. but they they don't need it it's the end of fucking labyrinth right like I don't need to be stuck in the goblin city but when I, when I, you know, when I need them, whenever I need them, I just, I want to be able to call them and, and they'll be there anytime that I need them. Right. Um, that's, that I think is the, the sounder model to, to base sort of the midline on. I think you can still, I think it's really great if you can support your fans who want to go deeper. Yeah. But definitely have have a have a level of engagement, you know, or or maybe hopefully the space will evolve to a point of a level of engagement where oh you could just kind of you know you can hang back if you want to and it's gonna be it's gonna be okay because for the most part everyone's just gonna be looking for the moment yeah you know that one that one moment that happens in the context of the show so uh, this might be a bad segue but i know you wanted to talk about this um because i i've i've been a little off on on seeing stuff and and there are two reasons one of the reasons is i um i have this wonderful writing thing um that is basically a second job right now although it's awesome um and then the other thing uh is i saw this show and it really, really pissed me off. And and what we're talking about, about having a, an agreement with the audience or an invitation for the audience or saying this is what we're doing and then doing it and then letting people go deep and letting people um, discover a cohesive world that can go as deep as you want it to go. 
Um, this this show did none of those things, but it claimed that it would do many of those things. Yeah. And it pissed me off. I think I had to call you afterwards. Did I call you or text you? I was you you texted me. Mad. I think you I think you even I believe you demanded that we do an after dark. <laughs> We need to do an after dark. I think I think you almost <laughs> want to do it right then and there. And then I felt and then I felt bad. I mean, again, I feel bad, right? Because like you're you're my eyes and ears out there, and like the you know, you know, here's the full disclosure. And like I don't know if we're gonna say the name of the show or not. Like that's that. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. That's I I leave that to you to decide. Um, but like you know, the, the PR company approached us. Uh, the PR company is nicely proactive, as a PR company is supposed to be. Kudos to for them on that level. And a lot of the marketing materials for the, the show seem to be, look, they were using the I word, right? Like we're yeah. sort of back to this canard again, you know, like they're saying it was immersive. Um, and so you, you, you went out, you took the night off and from all the other things you got to do. And on some level, it's like, oh, boo-hoo, poor little Zay and Noah got to go see a show for free that they don't like. Wah, wah. But I'm always thinking just in terms of like, look, you know, we're old now. We're going to die soon. And um, relative to relative to how young we were when we first started doing this stuff, you know, and and there's almost always another production that could have had that one night we can get away or the two nights we can go. Absolutely. And so we got, we got to, we got to budget that shit. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to, and to and, be frank, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't, I never have a problem paying for a show. I mean, it's, it's not, I, it, it, yeah. it, it is, it is good for me to support the people who are doing this thing that, um, as much as the I word is thrown around, the kind of stuff I like is still really pretty niche and weird, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I think I'm not going to mention the name of the show partially because I don't remember the name of it. Um, <laughs> oh, God, that thing was even worse. <laughs> um, uh, so this show um, was on a boat that was on the Hudson. And... This Did boat. you wear your boat shoes? <laughs> uh, I think I wore my. Actually, no. I think I wore. I think I wore my. I think I wore my eleven. My my leather Cubans actually for some reason. Oh, okay. okay. Weird because it was hot as hell. It was like a humid night. Mm. Um, which was unfortunate because this boat was not air conditioned in any way, shape, or form. Ugh. But it was beautiful. I mean, mm. the venue was gorgeous. It it reminded me of seeing um, the Confidence Man from Woodshed Collective. Um, who have a new piece out that's coming out that I will write about um, for the next uh, uh, New York No Pro. But, um, and you get on the boat and you wait for a bit and it's a large boat. It's a large, I think it must have been some sort of shipping or fishing or transport vessel. Oh, wow. um, there's a, a restaurant that's usually on it. But it's not fancy. I mean, what was nice about it was sort of how run down and funky it was, you know? And when you got mm. down into the innards, um, there was nothing like it wasn't slick. It didn't have like New York slickness to it. It felt like, um, something you'd see, um, on, I don't know, like some sort of, um, like a crab fishing reality show or something. Oh, wow. Um, and you're released with very little vector, very little explanation of what's going on to sort of wander around the ship. And we all wandered, and there weren't that many of us. There were maybe 25 of us, something like that. 
and mm. we wandered around the ship, and there were little scenes. Um, there weren't very many scenes, and the scenes that they were, near as I could tell, almost all of them repeated all night long, which was which was fine. Um, hmm. Like, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, um, but there was no sense of progression or change or growth throughout the evening. Um, and there were very, very few scenes, uh, near as I could tell. Um, and there were some specific things that were very, very um, badly designed about these scenes, and I'll describe one of them. I still haven't gotten to the part that's bad. This is just me nitpicking. Um, there's a scene where you're in a room with a guy, and the guy is basically playing Russian roulette with you. Ugh. himself no no not with you with okay. himself right um and in the ship and according to the costumes that you're seeing you're in some sort of period like maybe vaguely 40s or something hard to tell but that's sort of how they were dressed right. um but instead of a gun the guy was playing russian roulette with a staple gun and it was so See, the, i wish i could show you the look the look on my face yeah <laughs> like like, I don't, I mean, in a sense, it was kind of clever because, like, he would use the staple gun and, like, staple a piece of paper to a piece of wood and then put it on his forehead and pull the trigger and, you know, like, there was a sort of danger to it. But, like, what 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 says Home Depot and contemporary suburban America more than a fucking staple gun? Like, it pulled me right out of everything, you know? Yeah. And that was the sort of design sensibility. Like... There were little things that you'd think someone would say, hey, maybe we can uh, make our environment more congruous by uh, using something other than a staple gun that we bought from Home Depot or stole from our dad or something. Um, but that's not the problem. The problem was there were very, very, very few scenes. And in most of the spaces, nothing was happening. And you're sort of wandering around for quite some time. And then eventually something starts to happen in this large room that is in the middle of the space. It is sort of deep in the in the innards of the ship, and there are little mm. um, cabaret tables. And eventually, everyone's sort of sitting down at these cabaret tables, and then a guy comes out who becomes an MC, and he says, "And I'm paraphrasing a little bit." He says, "So you're all wondering what this is. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell you what it is. This this is a burlesque show." That's what he said. So wow. there's all of this stuff going on that's just sort of um, trappings for this cabaret, this burlesque show. And uh. I, you know, I've seen burlesque shows. Some of my, some of my best friends are burlesque performers. I have nothing <laughs> against burlesque. But first of all, if I'm going to go see a burlesque show, I want to know that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Secondly... Um, there was nothing, I mean, zero in the materials that even intimated this was a burlesque show. Um, thirdly, uh, it, it was a burlesque show with like four performers and lasted 20 minutes. And for the people who paid cost around 50 bucks. Um, and that is fucked up advertising. That's not, it's not okay. Um, if yeah, money, that's bait. That's bait and switch. Fucking furious. That's that's bait and switch. That's bait and switch. <laughs> and it's there, like, and there was this. I'm sorry. There was this group of kids who must have been 15, 16, 17, 
and their mom or aunt or like a, like a set of women in their like 50s who are with them 40s or 50s and i don't know what the situation was i don't know if it was someone's birthday i don't know how they found it they may have found it through no pro i don't know oh. Oh. <laughs> and when, when that guy said look it's a burlesque show the look on that mom's face was ghastly I mean, she thought she was going to sleep no more in a boat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And. Well, no one's, no one's written to me and complained. No one's written me and complained that, that that's that. But see, yeah, this is, this is, this is the thing, right? You know, like, or this is one of the things like there's, there's, there's a, you, you get a reputation for doing that. That company has 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 burned. The PR company I know, you know, we haven't talked to you since. They they may they may hit us up at some point and be like, "What was all that about?" Like we listened to the show and like we're upset right now. Like like if they're listening to the show right now, they're probably they might be fuming and they're they're thankful that you know we haven't said the name yet, right? But yeah. like if you are listening, guys, don't do that again. Just 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 don't because it's not just us who are going to sit here and maybe joke about it, snark about it, be upset about it, you know, and be frustrated and, and kind of bummed because one, we, we are always bummed when it when a show isn't what it purports to be or isn't good. We're, we're just bummed because we want to go see good stuff. We want people to do their best work and like and, always, always, always. And also and also Noah and I both have a lot of experience making stuff. You know, like, like now that one of us are at present immersive practitioners, I, I personally don't like have a specific yearning to be, but I mean, I helped run a theater company for five years. Like I, I understand that this stuff is difficult to do. Oh God. Yeah. And no, I mean, I, 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 yeah, no. And I, and I don't in so much as that, like, you know, look, I directed a little something like recently again, and I definitely have the itch again without a doubt, but like, and I even started all of this thinking that one day I'd be stepping back into that role. Uh, and, and they just won't let me, but, um, it eats up all my time now. This is apparently what I do for my life now, which is fine. It's good. I love it. Like it's, <laughs> it's, 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 you know, like I, I'm, you need, I'm absurd. You need an intern, man. That's what you need. Well, there's that, but like, I mean, I'm, I, 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 I'm of service, you know, like I, I, I am, I am doing what I can do and that, that's what gives, gives the, 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 the sauce here. But, but we know how hard it is, but yeah. nothing breaks my heart more because I know I, it breaks my heart more to know when something isn't working because I know exactly how much work went in to make something that might be a piece of shit. And it's like, there's like a, a good piece and a piece of shit at the end of the day, the crew who's running that show are putting in the exact same amount of work. Well, and the and crew, also, the, the actors who are performing exact same amount yeah. of work in terms of a time, in terms of fear, in the terms act- of anxiety, you know, and, and the burlesque performer who like who put the um, the uh, the uh, the the electric uh, saw against her against the solid metal girdle on her crotch and sprayed um, sparks all over the 16 year old kids. I mean, like props to her because that was amazing. And and not <laughs> and and not for nothing. I, I'm going to give you two words that if you said them and marketed it well, you would get a much bigger audience than that show got. Immersive burlesque. Make an immersive burlesque show in New York City. Do you know how yeah. many people would want to buy tickets to an immersive burlesque show in New York City? Make no. it an immersive burlesque show. Don't make it a secret. 
This is New York's premier immersive burlesque show on a ship on the Hudson. You will wander around, you will find a story, you will encounter characters. I mean, a one-on-one -on -one burlesque experience. Ooh. And then a burlesque show with the entire group, all of you who have, have had these individual experiences. Yeah. Come on, but guys. Like, yeah. Like, it's, it's like, it's, it's sitting there waiting to be plucked, right? Yeah. You know, and who knows, maybe that's what they're, you know, it, it, we're, we're starting to see higher ticket prices out here for stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and what not everything. What does that every, mean in LA? What's a higher ticket price? Well, it means that, you know, there are shows that are definitely 50 and 65 and um, the tension experience is 125 bucks. In, in New York, that's Tuesday. No, I know. I know that's just Tuesday in New York. But um, but here, we haven't had a over $100, with the exception of Hopscotch, we mm. haven't had an over $100 ticket. But mm. also the thing is, both both Hopscotch and Tension Experience, mm -hmm. uh, who are, which are the two over $100 tickets so far, they're, they're almost certainly, I know Hopscotch didn't, and I'm pretty fucking sure Tension is not is not making it back on ticket sales alone. Right. Really? Like there's some, there's some interesting, well, because tension puts maybe, maybe four groups through a night and it's like a 10 person. Yeah. It's a 10 person session with 40 cast and crew running that show. Right. Like I counted, like I counted a lot of people backstage and so you start doing the math and it's like, yeah, like, mm -hmm. like it's, it's maybe, yeah. now they've got, they've got some other stuff going on in terms of how they're very smartly arranged this thing. Like they're going to shoot a movie inside their sets after the run is done. So there's probably some, some smart bookkeeping going on there in terms of which production is eating what cost. But nevertheless, it's, it's not super lucrative. Uh -huh. But the thing is, is that, no one's got to run long enough to like really do a solid preview. And so everyone's sort of, you know, building the plane as they're flying it. Yeah. And it puts us in some, some dangerous territory because things won't necessarily fire off the way they're supposed to. Like I put my review of tension up today and I made a note when I'm recording this and like, I did recording this and I made a note that like a couple of things didn't fire off. Now I'm not mad about it because you know, I'm fairly forgiving and I still had, I still had a, a pretty good time. And then mm -hmm. I got backstage and I had an amazing time, like watching other people go through it. Mm -hmm. Like just, I want to do that for the rest of my life now, apparently. Um, and uh, just like watching people go through like a really screwed up horror, you know, horror simulator. I'm like, Oh boy. It's like the, the, the sadist in me was very sated. Um, but the, um, the sated the, sadist is that the sated sadist. That should be a restaurant. That should, uh, you know, I bet you if I hit that uh, Brooklyn uh, bar menu generator thing often enough, I will finally get the one for the sated sadist. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? I, I, it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday <laughs> it's Tuesday in New York. It's Tuesday in New York. Someone's drinking. <laughs> We're down to sated sadist. We're having an ASMR experience. Um... <laughs> We're talking about everything. It's after dark. But the, um, oh God, I'm drinking on a Tuesday. What's going on? Please, C CW shows, come back. Don't, don't let me do this anymore. Um, the, uh, but, but like, yeah, a couple of things didn't fire off. And, you know, 
maybe if I'd paid money, I might have been like that. That well, the the, the way tension goes because there's enough game mechanics in there. Mm-hmm. I I didn't even I didn't really know what I was missing. But I'll tell you this much: like the next day is when I got one of the things because one of the things was the email you're supposed to get before the show, and um, for some reason it was sent out two minutes before call time. As you're told to show up, you're told to show up at 6.30 for a 7 o'clock processing. And so I was in the parking lot at exactly 6, like I was in the parking lot at like 6.32 and freaking out that I had missed my chance, Mm -hmm. which I totally hadn't because traffic was so bad. It had taken me an hour to get there and what should have taken 25 minutes. It had taken an hour to get there. And... Um, you know, you're told not to bring anything with you, which includes your cell phone, which is itself nerve wracking. And there's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of notes there, uh, that, that I think that they're starting to find there's certain things they can and can't really get away with in, in today's modern Uber era. But, uh, I put my phone in my trunk, uh, which was nerve wracking for me and, you know, went to go join the circus. And that was about the time when they were sending me an email, which was basically the narrative prep. Mm-hmm. And from a design standpoint, like that email may very well have done everything it needed to do to prep me for the thing I was about to go do, which means I really wish I had gotten a chance to read it. Now, if I had been part of the ARG, I would have known everything that email was going to say, but that's really a catch 22. Like the email exists precisely for people like me who by choice or by, or by ignorance, have not participated in the the prelude and it did a damn good job of explaining a lot of the stuff, you know, that I saw inside Mm -hmm. and it makes me really, really, really wish that I had had it. And I might've, I might, I don't know that I would have, I might have made different choices, but the thing is, is that that might've made different choices reminds me a lot of when I went to see fight club, you've seen fight club, right? The movie? Yeah. 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 I've no, seen, I, I've seen Fight I always, Club. I always, I always ask this question because, because you know, there's, there's a major spoiler in Fight Club and this is a story about the major spoiler um, in Fight Club. So um, I, I'm going to tell a brief story because this is after dark. Um, okay. I saw Fight Club before any of like the people I know and the people you know saw it. Mm-hmm. And I was driving, I was in a car with Jaron Hollander and Josh Costello driving up university. And I said, okay. I just saw this amazing movie Fight Club. It's, fucking great and you should see it and josh and jeremy were both like oh whatever brad pitt blah 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 not even la, la, oh, yeah. la. and i'm like oh yeah stop pull the fucking car over and i think i must have done it by, by phone at that because like it's so old and we're so old but there was yeah. a showing in like 15 minutes at the old emory bay theater Oh, God, no. And I make them drive to the every theater <laughs> and watch the movie. And when the movie's over, they look at me and they're like, let's just stay in the theater and watch it again. Yes. <laughs> okay, so here's so this is a story about going to see Fight Club as well. And this, and I'll link it back to, to the tension experience in a second. So my, my boy Hav and I are in San Francisco. We're, we're in front of the coronet. I've just said mm-hmm. goodbye to a, a gal who was visiting from out of town who, honestly, I probably should have found some way to marry. Um, and, and I don't think she listens to the show. That's so, the after, But if she after, does, after dark, man. that's the after, after, after dark, right? But like, I'll, I'll admit that in public. I told that enough to friends and everyone listening to this is my friend. So, so I'm saying goodbye. Oh, this is the best part, Zay. I'm saying goodbye to uh, the girl I should have married, her boyfriend at the time, who oh. was basically my daughter, who is basically my doppelganger, oh. right? 
And then we're about to enter. We're Hav and I are about to go into the. Hav and I are about to go into the coronet in San Francisco, which of course is where Star Wars was first shown in San Francisco. And as we are entering the movie theater, and granted, this was weeks after it had premiered, two guys drive by in a Mustang. One leans out the window and yells, "They're the same guy!" <laughs> oh. Oh, man. Seconds before about to walk in the theater. And of course, early on in that movie. And by the way, if I just spoiled Fight Club for you, uh, didn't you get the part where I said, uh, <laughs> have you seen Fight Club? Uh, people are listening to this. Um, There's a statue they, of limitations uh, on that shit. Well, this, but this was the 90s, man. There were no statute of limitations on this. And, no, and it was I mean, still I mean, first right one. The, people who are listening to this podcast. No, I, well, okay. Yeah, yeah, Millennials yeah. No, notwithstanding. I, 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 yeah, no, sorry, millennials. Um, but they, um, early on in that movie, there's a shot of Brad Pitt's arm around meatloaf. Um, that's just spliced in for a second, which is very thematic to the I film. I just pictured Brad Pitt with his arm around a large hunk of meatloaf. Exactly. And it's super thematic to the film and it only happens for like a split second. And my entire life since that moment, that literal moment, <laughs> I've wondered if I, if I would have even noticed it, if I would have even noticed it, if someone hadn't told me they were the same guy, mm-hmm. because that's, that's what Fincher was trying to do with that film, which was he was setting it up. But like the fun thing is like, I, you know, compared to something else compared to like Mulholland drive, mm-hmm. I went and saw Mulholland drive, had no fucking clue what was going on halfway through that movie, thinking it was an absolute piece of garbage. Then Naomi Watts turns on a dime, proves to be a brilliant, brilliant actress mm-hmm. when she, th- when it looked like she was a shitty one. Mm-hmm. And by the end of that movie, I'm like, I need to see it again. Mm-hmm. So I go back and watched it again the next night. Mm-hmm. And from minute one, everything is there everything that's going to happen in that movie is right there in the opening shots. And it's, it's a masterwork of structure because of that. And that's the thing is like, once you're initiated into something, you can only see, but until Mm -hmm. you're initiated, you can't see. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the most powerful storytelling techniques that exist. And it takes a lot of work to pull it off. So flip, 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 flip back to tension experience. So I get this email the day after and I'm like, shit, would I have anchored into the characters because it's, it's very, some parts of it are very, very narrative driven mm-hmm. in terms of what's going, in terms of whether they built the story world, but, but it, they're really kind of, kind of running you through it. Mm-hmm. And I think that I, so some parts of me are frustrated with it, but I think that there's, there's so, you know, they've got all the pieces. It's just got to dial it in. Yeah. And once it's dialed in, I think it's going to be, I think it could be really fucking awesome when it's dialed in, but who has the luxury, who has the luxury to run something, you know, for, for months on end in preview to get it right. You know, not everybody's Julie Tamer would turn off the dark and oops, they never got it right. Well, you know, I, I mean, I was, I mean, I was, I was telling Andrew this, um, on Sunday cause I so, uh, I so I so respect how they're doing this thing with with the Whisper Lodge and and I was remembering that um, uh, Janine from Third Rail Projects and uh, then she fell was telling uh, was talking about in one of the interviews that we did with her how for then she fell they as they were developing it 
they would bring, they would sort of entice their friends to do this ridiculous thing and go through this experience. And at the end, they would give them wine and cheese, which is another thing that happens on Tuesdays in New York. Um, <laughs> and and find out... Quit trying to get me to move there, Zay. I'm pretty committed to Los Angeles at this point. Dude, I haven't even gotten to what happens on Wednesdays. Um, <laughs> although it goes up to about $175. But... um so they would and then they would talk to them about the experience and they did that for a year yeah and they did it partially because um they're very 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 good at raising development money and putting together development relationships with people um and also partially because you know they're they're a dance company and dance company is understand how important that level of precision is um right well i think i think like here i i know that they were working on tension for a very long time and developing things for mm. for a while i don't know and they've done similar things right no 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 so that's that's actually the the thing that's most so i mean like the thing is this like darren lynn bowsman Mm. and you should if you haven't listened to the episode i have not you should listen to the episode because darren lynn bowsman is he 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 came to this is a this is the internet nutshell. He came to Los Angeles to make theater of all things, like back in like the, the early aughts, late nineties, right? Like he's, he's, he's not too far off from our age. He's a little younger, which, you know, can make us maybe a little jealous. Hmm. Um, he, he, one of the first things he did here was a show called repo, the genetic opera, which would one day go on to be the cult movie repo, the genetic opera, which he would direct as a film after making saw two, three, and four. So Darren's Mm -hmm. a has been a genre filmmaker Mm -hmm. for a lot of his career. And, uh, he noted in the, in the piece that he didn't, in the, in the interview that he, he didn't really necessarily think he was going to like wind up stepping in front of the curtain and he just kind of, he really wanted to like, you know, just be a p- secret puppet master behind the scenes. But, um, he fell in love with immersive, uh, the sort of the way we did. And so it's, it's a great episode for you to listen to in particular, because it's pretty much, it's like every theme for the past year of no pro and particularly no pro in LA mm-hmm. from, from the, the techniques and from like learning from other shows or from trying to produce stuff right down to like how much of a pain in the ass it is to get permits in Los Angeles to do anything. They are all in that one episode of the show. Mm-hmm. And it's also now like our most downloaded episode because the, the tension fan base um, is, is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's exciting. But what I'm excited about is those folks, particularly the folks who've stuck around. Hi, folks who stuck around. Uh, they got they got a nice crash course in everything, in absolutely everything, in just the course of like an hour, hour and ten minutes. So uh, it's definitely worth it's definitely worth listening to because like we we run the gamut. And and the funniest thing was like I didn't even know who was showing up until 15 minutes before. Like they, they really cloak and daggered it for a very, very long time on that one. Um, but no, he hasn't done immersive. He hasn't produced immersive before, but he's made movies Mm -hmm. and, and that the making movies. Yeah. And the movie stuff, the movie stuff really pays off. I mean, that's the thing was I was running around backstage and like, those are sets, man. Mm. Like those are just, those are, they're, they're fully sets, but you walk onto the set and you walk into the room and it looks like a room, but you walk behind the room and like, no, that's a flat. 
you know, right. like that is that is totally like a movie set, and and it's it's just it's the way it should be, you know, it's particularly in Los Angeles, it's definitely the way it should be in terms of in terms of how it's the the physical plant of production, um, and and the, the the you know it's not a dance piece, it's so like in, so instead of dancers, we've got character actors, and there's all of these like old folks like like senior citizen character actors who you encounter pretty early on in it mm-hmm. which is just amazing because like i'm used to going through immersive theater and it's all these like absolutely young vibrant stupidly gorgeous like late 20s early 30s people who are live as hell and instead suddenly i'm like one of the younger people in the room again and 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 the way that plays with your mind right suddenly you're back in a mode of being uh, almost like a kid because you're 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 dealing with an older generation like it's it's very it's very unsettling on a on a certain level um and but then on a and on a producer level, I mean, my God, it's great to see all those folks working. You know, it just it's it's yeah, so warms the heart. You know, it it's it. So uh, the other so I I haven't um, the other I've I've not seen that much to be honest over the last um, over the last couple months as much as I would I would like to. But one of the things I did do was. Uh, there's a group out here called the Game Theater, and huh. I I realize I should probably sometimes I feel like my like my job my job my 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 thing with no pro uh, sometimes get sometimes is at odds with my um, how much I like going into things not knowing what the hell is going to happen because um, I do very little research beforehand I always do all my research afterwards um, so the game. The Game Theater is a group that does what are essentially LARPs. Um, and they do everything from sort of uh, parlor role games that can uh, uh, begin, come to a climax and end within the scope of an hour and a half to two hours to uh, evening long, like from 7 p.m. till 1 a.m. Uh, party role games to... Um, four-day weekends in a castle where everybody's in character the entire time. Wow. And they were doing a thing called, oh, man. uh, Oh, man, I can't remember. That's one of my favorites. It was like Mulholland Mystery or Mulholland Murder. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mulholland Murder. I just saw that. That's right. Yeah. So so I did that, um, and it was really... It was really interesting. I was terrified. Like I'm not. I'm not an actor. I'm not. Um, I'm not a big game person. Um, I'm. 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 That's not my world. So I was very, very scared. And um, uh, and you could choose a role. You could be an actor, a director, um, or a producer. Those were sort of the roles that you could take on. No, no. I'm sorry. You'd be an actor, a director, or a, uh, a screenwriter. And then oh. the background. Yeah, because because as as an as an uh, as an LA person, I would tell you just oh, just be a producer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, the, that's where the power no, is. The, it, well, yeah, <laughs> the producers were like the secret power in the background, um, oh. and the attempt was to was to create uh, was to create an experience where you're in David Lynch's vision of Hollywood, 
and you could choose to be either a contemporary person or a person from the 50s. So I, I basically wanted to be John, like John Mahoney's character from, uh, I basically wanted to be William, drunk William Faulkner in old world Hollywood was my goal. Because that's nice. basically my goal. Um, and the thing, the, the two things that surprised me about the whole experience were, was one, how game and lighthearted everybody was. Nice. Like, it was fun. Everybody was very light, um, but also very engaged. Like, there was no one there who was, like, too cool for school, you know? Um, That's beautiful. And then how, yeah, especially in uh, New York on <laughs> Friday. Um, and, Uh-oh. And, and how... And how and how elegantly it was choreographed, you know, like we were given little goals and roles and everyone had a secret and everyone didn't quite know how. And, and this was a game. So like you, there were winners and right. there was a winner and then losers. And you didn't quite know what the categories were for winning. And then there were these totally random weird components in the shape of like sort of David Lynch Lynchian elements that would sort of just encroach on what was otherwise fairly realistic. Um, and it was really, really fun, I have to say. Um, it was Great. it was quite enjoyable. Did you feel did you feel like you had researched too much going into it? In that is that uh, why you felt like your the conflict or oh no oh, no 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 I, I well I mean I, I no 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 I didn't research it at all. Like I didn't quite oh, understand I was walking into a lark, to be honest. I, I, uh, but I, 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 I encourage you. I don't, I don't think that you are at all. I mean, aside from like when we get like blindsided by something, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't think that you're at all in the wrong to go in, to go in blind. Like we're like, it's only you or I who suffer through yeah. something and go like, Oh my God, that is not what I expected. Well, and and you like know. and like the 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 consternation that con- and it's it's very rare that that people totally misrepresent their shit. Like right. like that's that's very rare. And and the joy that comes from figure. I mean, for me personally, the joy that comes from figuring stuff out as I go um, is so much bigger than the um, than. It's really important to me. Like, I really like that experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, well, and that's the thing, right? It's like, it's the other reason why, it's why I went into tension with like the bare minimum yeah. because I mean, on some level, it's a very haughty choice on my part to be like, you know what? Not haughty, but haughty. Um, I've never been a hottie. Uh, I'm sure there's, there's, I think there's one, I think there's one girl in the world who feels differently that once upon a time, but I think there's only one. Um, you could be an an ASMR hottie if you just, I could just, right. I just, I just getting close and just get, just try close to it. Really very up close to (laughs) (laughs) Wait, careful, careful. You're, you're kind of, you're going to, you're going to blow up people's eardrums if you're not careful. There's a, sorry, sorry. There's, there's, there's too much power in that voice. Um, I I underestimate the, the Yeti. I underestimate the Yeti quite a bit. The, no, the Yeti, the Yeti is not to be underestimated. Uh, and, and indeed, and hey, let's take a moment and thank our Patreon backers because you guys are responsible for these microphones. Yeah. So uh, it's been like a year, but yeah. thank you both. Uh, thank you both. Thank you all for both of these microphones. Andrew, oh, yeah. the, the moment I pulled out the Yeti, Andrew was like, oh, your patrons paid for that. <laughs> Andrew Hoffner, yeah. no pro super fan. Uh, 
Oh God, I love it. that was actually the funniest thing about the about tension was like uh, afterwards. We, like I went out to drinks with the group who had come in after me because I stuck around to watch behind. There were a couple of people I knew in that group, and and then one of the people in that group who I did not know turns out to be a listener of the show, mm. and he's probably listening to this episode. And and that was that's always weird. It's not weird for me to meet people. It's it's weird just to know that someone's heard my voice uh, before they've met me. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a but like I'm used to it. I mean that's been true since I was like 17 years old when I started doing radio. But every time I still get a little like oh you know like the radio version of me. You you haven't seen this this actual fleshy nerd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just a disembodied voice in your head. I'm the guy, I'm the guy drinking the beer. That's, that's you know? probably the actual name of your restaurant. The Fleshy Nerd? Ooh, I don't know. I'd eat there. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I eat at a place, but then again, I eat at a place called Oinkster. So what am I saying? Of course I'd eat at the Fleshy Nerd. Where was I going with this? I don't remember. After Dark Episode, people. Um, something about, oh, Dude, really? We got lost. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, just like not not knowing too much. Um, yeah. 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 Like, um, I want the shows to, I want the show to teach me in the show. And it just comes exactly yeah. from the way I approach video games. I want to pick up a controller. I want to turn it on. And I want, if it needs to be a tutorial, I want that tutorial to be as much in game, in narrative. Yes. So as a per- as a perfect example, uh, one of my favorite mind- semi mindless video games of the past five six years is a game called Pac Man Championship Edition, <laughs> and uh, it's just it's just it's a twist on Pac Man. And if you know how to play Pac Man, you know how to play it. And then it throws in just two things, and you quickly figure out how to use them or, mm-hmm. or, or what the what the mojo is. They just released a sequel for it this past week. It has a 10-level tutorial, which teaches you all these new mechanics. They're, they're creaky. They're kind of weird. It's basically terrible. I got bored, and I stopped. Yeah. And I won't, play, I won't play it. I'm glad I didn't buy it, because I got the demo. And because it, it, it's so convoluted, and it needs explanation. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, if, if, if your piece is so convoluted that people... And this was the thing that I was worried about before going to tension, that it was going to be so convoluted that uh, that by not checking into the backstory, I was going to be totally lost. It was yeah. not that. I was able to follow along. Yeah. I, would have, I would have been maybe a little stronger in my choices. Uh, and I think that there's some work that needs to be done in terms of making it clear how much agency you have. Uh-huh. But these are not, these are not, these are not problems that, you know, punch drunk didn't face when they started. And these are not problems right. that third rail does not face on each new show that they have. Right. right. Like have and me. And I can say that because like, I don't know if punch drunk is even iterating beyond the mask at this point. Right. right. Like, uh, because it's, we, we, we haven't gotten anything. Uh, I haven't seen drown man and we, and nothing new has popped up in here in the States. Right. So, um, the, these are these are these are the these. This is the very problem that you must wrestle with in this space: is yeah. how do you convey the 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 game mechanics of the show in the context of the show? How do you teach people what their agency is yeah. 
relatively rapidly without sitting someone down and saying, here's what you can do. You know, it's, it's funny because it, it, I mean, in talking about, about third rail, it makes me think of well, a bunch of things. It makes me think about, uh, Michael Tara Garver again, because she would talk about, about the role that once you've cast an audience member into a role, the rules of their behavior become very clear to them. Um, I mean, and I mean, the irony of that, I suppose, is that um, in Then She Fell, your role is not clear, but because all of your movements and transitions are choreographed by the performers, and there's not really that much choice involved, it doesn't really matter that much. Whereas in The Grand Paradise, your role is very, very, very clear. Um, th that, that in your role your role gives you the rules like your role yeah. invites you into the space in a certain way it also makes me think about um because you're talking about games mm. it makes me think about braid have you ever played braid i have i never finished braid no, because jonathan blow is a, braid. jonathan blow is a son of a bitch yeah, no, so i've never finished nobody braid. finishes braid but but braid, but the thing that's wonderful about braid is that there's and that was a respecting, grudging son of a bitch. It, like he's a absolutely. very hard puzzle master. Yeah, I just, I just stared very hard at either starting or not starting the witness, and I just said it not to right now. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but, but the idea that there is that every mechanic is centered around the theme of time and the movement of time, and so, yeah. and part of the game is figuring out what the mechanic is for every level, and that's implicit yep. in the way that you're engaged with. Um, in the game, which is really interest, which which I which is really interesting. Yeah. It also makes me think about um, about Whisper Lodge again, just to bring it back to Whisper Lodge, because my experience of Whisper, like what I thought was going on in Whisper Lodge, and uh, Melinda, Andrew, if you're if you're listening, forgive me for my misunderstanding, but what I thought was supposed to be happening was that as I went to each of these different rooms, like there's a room about water and a room about play and a room about mm. sort of bedtime stories and hair brushing and a room where someone's uh, behaving as if they're a doctor who's examining your senses. Um, what I felt was that, that I was supposed to be experiencing, having these ASMR experiences and they were supposed to be being activated upon me. But it seemed like what Andrew and Melinda had in mind was more like you're going on a tour and encountering these people who are themselves ASMR people who are sharing their experience with you, which is like hmm. like there's a slight difference to that mechanic, yeah. um, but it's a different experience, you know? It, although, instantly, I mean, it's funny you should say that it's that because I when we were talking about it earlier and I inquired as to whether or not you could export it, I, mm. I instantly thought about the idea of, well, you know, there's people who are really into ASMR and they mm. it could almost be like a share club. That's exactly you know? what it is. I mean, I think that, I mean, one of the things that, that I think is so sort of flexible and fungible and um, distributable about Andrew's approach to immersive theater is that he is really into the idea of giving a guest artist a space and saying you create this space yeah. here are the parameters here are where you are in the story i trust you i want to work with you do whatever you want with the space and that, i mean that's the circus model brilliant yeah 
that's that's the circus model at, when it's at its best. Yeah, and it's it's you so know, the, the performer opposite. Owns the and act. it's so the opposite of third rail, which is like everything's choreographed. You know. Yeah, but that's the beauty. The beauty of not medium, not genre, but you you know what I'm trying to say, like. Like uh, God, the, the technical term for this always escapes me. But that's the beauty of this as a form is that it encompasses more than one genre of work or more than one working method, right? Yes. Like, if this wasn't a field it's a conversion of form, yeah. If this wasn't a f- a field where where different things happened, we would just be talking about the same type of show over and over and over again. It'd be easier. If we were just talking about baseball games, for instance, or if we were just talking right. about straight, straight regular theater, right. but you know, it encompasses it encompasses so much, um, and and yet there there is a vocabulary to it, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, just to get back again to Whisper, this was the last thing I saw. Um, um, like that, Andrew and Melinda chose as their as their medium a the one on one, which is like very much a part of the immersive vocabulary and B um, <laughs> partially because there's almost no reason for it, but um, so there are uh, six people who saw the show and there are only four rooms. So not everybody experiences every room. Now it wouldn't be that hard to have six audience members and have them experience every room. But for Andrew, it was important that there wasn't a sense of completion, which mm. to me, to me, is like an evolution. Because, um, I mean, similar to the Grand Paradise, where it's like, it's like th- there was a time when people would talk about early immersive pieces with a kind of frustration that they didn't get the whole story. Like, right. yeah, I enjoyed it, but what's the whole story? I don't know what the whole story is. And now the idea of the whole story is gone. Like it's it's just out of there. It's like you, there that that lack of completion, um, is part of the vocabulary of the medium, and also part of the enjoyment, and also part of um, I think what what gives it that really um, uh, what makes it feel intense and real, and makes it continue after the thing is over. There's no um, there's no narrative closure. There's no point where you're saying, this is the period at the end of the sentence, this is what it all means, now it's completely wrapped up and you can go back to your life. The, 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 the liminal space continues for much longer after the piece and that's one of the things I've, I've, I really love about the medium. Yeah. No, and that, that was something very much, I mean, the, the, inter- the, the fun thing about tension, the fun, I keep talking about like the one thing, but mm. you know, I, I've spent more time talking about it with people than I spent in the space. Mm. Um, yeah. Partly because, you know, we, we had I, the people that I spent time talking with it after, right after the show, the, the fans of the show who I knew who wanted to talk about particular details, the other practitioners in the area who wanted to compare notes, the other reporters who wanted to compare notes, like, you know, pretty much all weekend long, it was just tension, 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 to the point where I was, like, very glad to, like, dip my head into a cartoon for an hour so that I could just, like, not talk about this show anymore. But um, that is that is when it's working. 
Like that's what it's supposed to be doing. Uh, and that's the thing that's what's so exciting about this form. And it's exactly for the reason you, you just detailed, you know, like making that choice where, you know, you're not going to get everything. Um, is is probably the best tool. You have to give a complete experience, mm-hmm. but but definitely show that there's more to this world than at first glance. Yeah. And on that note, we're gonna sign off to you guys. Probably talk for a minute or so, but I know Zay's got to get going because he's on a much later time schedule than I am. And uh, we'll be back here doing this after dark thing again. And then there'll be a little music break after I finish talking, and uh, and you'll hear whatever wrap-up notes we have. So, Zay, I hope things are good with you. Uh, things are going really well. I'm having a really good time. It is The fall is coming. There is so much to be seen, and uh, jacket weather is coming. It's quite lovely. Always jealous of the jacket weather. <laughs> Once again, I want to thank my partner in arms, Zay Amsbury. You can find him on Twitter at Zay Amsbury. That's Z-A-Y-A-M-S-B-U-R-Y. I can probably spell his name better than I can spell my own. Um, the music for this podcast, the wonderful music for this podcast, is by Chris Porter. Thank you, Chris, so much. Uh, a few other things we should plug in here. How to reach us. The key to all of this is nopersinium.com. And if you ever wondered why it's called nopersinium, well, it's because that was the .com I was able to get. So nopersinium.com. Another great way to reach out to us is at nopersinium. You can reach out to us through Facebook and facebook.com slash nopersinium. But, you know, as much as I'm on Facebook, which is pretty much all day long for work, I hate it. So contact me on Twitter. I'll like you better. Um, no underscore persinium at outlook.com is our email and frankly, that's the best way to get a hold of us. If you have a show announcement, if there's an article you want to share, uh, if there's a show you found, if there's something strange and unethical going out there in the world, if you found a fake immersive, any of that sort of stuff, email us. No underscore persinium at outlook.com. If you want to help continue our work here, uh, patreon.com slash no persinium is the way. Become a financial backer of the show. Um I'm, I'm going to lay out new plans, guys. I swear, if I just keep on saying it, it's going to happen. Maybe one week I'll say it, I won't say it, and then suddenly it will be there. And right now, you really do want to check out the Medium publication because we've got so much going on, and even more is coming. Medium.com slash no-persinium. That's the spot. Once again, want to thank our sponsors at Drafty for coming back online. Really, really helps clear the way forward and lets us make some long-term plans here as the list keeps on getting bigger. I want to thank all you guys so much for just being there with us every step of the way for coming on board. Those of you who stuck around since jumping on, on the tension experience episode and uh, the subscribers here, here before that, it means a lot to us uh, when we run out and, and meet you guys at events randomly. It is, it's the best I mean, I'm awkward about it, but it really is the best. I'm awkward because it's the best. And I just don't understand how to process experiences that are the best, which is probably what this show is entirely about. If you really think of anyway, let's not get philosophical any more than we already have been. Let's go have a great weekend. Maybe you've already like passed out because I told you to drink during this episode. And I really hope you didn't drive while drinking. I told you not to. I told you not to. 
If you're out here in LA this weekend, maybe I'll see you at Delusion. Maybe I'll see you at Wicked Lit. I hope. I'm going to see you guys at Indiecade. I'm really excited about that. There's so much going on. I love October. I love October to the point where it drives me nuts. Okay. Big days ahead. See you guys next week. And until then, I'll see you at the show. <laughs> <laughs>